All right. Good job. <laughs> that sketch really highlights the need for what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about prayer in terms of the role of parenting. And uh, as we saw in that sketch, parenting is a challenging task. That's one that few of us feel qualified for. Uh, there are days when, as a parent, you may feel like things are going pretty well, you know, in your home or with your kids. And then there are other days when you're maybe pulling out your hair or you are wondering, how are we going to get through this or what do we need to do next? There are challenges that come along the way. There are highs and lows that go with parenting. And so we all need encouragement and support. And that's what I hope to give to those of you who are parents through this next series that we're going to have a four-week series on parenting. And this series is different from what I normally do. We're not going to be looking at a book of the Bible and working through a text in that way. Uh, This series is topical. We're going to look at different subjects, and then we're going to talk about how the Scripture relates to those particular subjects as we go through this. But the real benefit of this series is going to come in the application. I'm going to share ideas and illustrations and stories and helps that could help you as a parent in that role. But it won't mean a thing unless you take those ideas and put them into practice in your own home and family. We're going to talk about four very important things that we can do as parents. These words up here of pray, model, teach, and bless are going to be the subjects of the four messages that I'll be giving in this series. But when I uh, first wrote this series, I was thinking about it for parents. And that's my intention still. But as I started to dig into the text, I began to realize that, you know, those four words are things that can apply to many different relationships. Uh, You can do these four things if you're a grandparent. You can pray for your grandchildren. You can be an example to them. You can teach them and you can bless them. Uh, You can do this if you're an uncle or not. You can do this if you're a teacher when you think about your students. You can do this if you're a small group leader or a disciple maker. You can think about those that God's put in your life. If you're helping to disciple others or train them, you can pray for them. Model what it means to know Christ and teach them and bless them. And so really, I think that in this series, there are going to be ideas and things that all of us can take and use in our relationships. You'll just need to think about it in a way that maybe adapts it or applies it to your situation. But I really hope that there's something there for everyone. And today we're going to start by talking about what I believe is our best parenting tool, and that is prayer. I've got up here a a knee pad. And I know uh, most of you look at this and you'll probably be thinking about the application of this would be in a garden. Some of you are gardeners and you use these things when you're down on your knees pulling out weeds or planting things in your garden. But we also use these for prayer. We've got a bunch of them up there in our prayer room. Uh, They're great, especially as you get older and it's a little harder maybe to get down on your knees. But I want to use this as a visual reminder of the importance of prayer when we are thinking about our children or the relationships that we have, it is very important that we learn to pray consistently and diligently for those that we love. See, the Bible tells us that prayer is powerful. It can literally move mountains. 
And Jesus said in Mark 11:23 and 24, He said, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. And therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now when Jesus gave that teaching to the disciples, he wasn't really interested in them you know, moving mountains when we think of physical mountains that we can see. But he was thinking about those obstacles and barriers to faith. Those challenges that come in life. Those things that all of us have to deal with that stand in the way of what God wants to do in our life or in the life of others. And he said, I want you to know that they can be moved by the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful because God has chosen to respond in answer to our prayers. And when we pray we invite God to work in those situations that are challenging for us. And God comes to us and He invites us to pray about everything. In Philippians 4, 6, He said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He invites us to come to bring those things that we are anxious or worried about to Him in prayer. Are you ever anxious as a parent? Do you ever worry about your kids or what's going on in their lives? God says, bring those to me in prayer. And what does He say that He will do in response to our prayers? He gives peace. In verse 7 it said, And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We may come to God and we may wrestle with our fears or our worries or the things that make us anxious. And when we leave those at God's feet and trust Him to work, He gives that peace that comforts us, that peace that assures us that He is at work and He is in control of this situation. We need to pray because God works in ways that we cannot God can bring more change in a moment than we can bring in hours of lecturing or instructing. He can deal with the heart issues. We can point the way, but God directs the heart. He changes the heart. He arranges circumstances. He brings people into the lives of our children or those that we are praying for that are just perfect, appropriate, and at the right time. I would guess that each of us have had someone in our life who prayed for us also. It may have been a grandmother or a neighbor. It may have been your parents. It may have been a relative or a close friend. It may have been someone that you didn't even know about that was praying for you. But very likely, God was using someone in your life as you were growing up who lifted you up in prayer. I think of that too where my wife, for example, works in the school and gets to know some of the children. And she prays for children in our neighborhood uh, that she knows. And uh, those children may never know that she has been praying for them, but I believe that God is using that in their lives. I had a grandmother who prayed for me every day. Her greatest desire was to see all of her children and her grandchildren come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. She lived to be 95, and she prayed for us faithfully and consistently. 
I also had a woman who was a neighbor of ours who prayed for me every day like I was a member of her family. I didn't know that when I was young. I didn't find that out till I was in college and headed toward ministry that she shared how often she had been praying for me. My parents prayed for me, and I'm sure that it was the prayers of these individuals all along the way that protected me from some of the stupid things that I did or the things that kids do when they're growing up. We need to pray for our children, and that prayer is indeed powerful. One of the reasons that we need to pray as parents is that life is uncertain. If you look at this verse in James 5, actually verses 14 and 15, James said, Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And instead you ought to say, if this is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. And we've all seen examples of how uncertain life is and how plans can change or hopes and dreams can be dashed sometimes in a moment. There are so many things that are outside of our control. Sometimes kids do foolish things. Sometimes it's just inexperience on their part. Sometimes life just happens. And there are accidents. There are things that occur in our life that we have no control over. We also, we can't be with our children all the time. But God can, and He is with them, and they need our prayers. Let me give you an example of the kind of things that kids can sometimes do that are outside of our control. Uh, James Dobson tells this story about himself in his book, Bringing Up Boys. He said, When I was 17 years old, the state of Texas granted me a license to drive. It was a bad decision. My dad had recently bought a brand new Ford, and he let me take it out for a spin during lunchtime one day. That was another big mistake. Hundreds of my fellow students were milling around my school as I drove by, which gave me a great opportunity to show off. I also wanted to test a theory that had intrigued me. In our little town, there were these huge dips on both sides of certain intersections, to handle the flash floods that occasionally swept down our streets. I reasoned that if I hit the bumps at high speed, my car would sail over them. I was a big fan of Joey Chitwood, who was the evil Knievel of that day, and I had seen him catapult his car over obstacles at the state fair. If Joey could do it, why not me? Well, obviously there was much that I didn't understand about the physics of 3,000 pounds of steel hurtling down that road. I approached the intersection, helter-skelter, careened into the first dip, and there was this violent reaction. Kaboom! went the bottom of the car. And then I blasted into the second canyon. Kabang! My head hit the, the ceiling of the car, and it, the car convulsed up and down like a gigantic yo-yo. My entire life passed in front of my eyes. But my Texas friends were awestruck. He said, wow, look at that! He got air under his tires. Well, a few weeks later, my good old dad came to me and said, "Uh, Bo, that's what he called me, Uh, I just took the car to the mechanic and he said that all four shocks have blown out. (laughs) It's the craziest thing. Shocks usually wear out little by little, but this car is new and they're already shredded. 
Do you have any idea how this could have happened? Well, the only thing that saved me was a momentary lapse of memory. At that second, I honestly didn't recall that I had hit the bump, so I said no. He accepted my denial, and I escaped with my life. A few weeks later, I was driving near our home when the steering column broke, (laughs) sending the Ford crashing into the curb. Fortunately, no one was killed. It was years later before I realized that I had blown the shocks and probably cracked the steering post during my great physics experiment. Who knows what other damage I did to Dad's new car on that day. By the time I admitted to myself that I was a guilty party, the statute of limitations had expired on my crime. (laughs) My dad had forgotten all about it and never brought it up again. In fact, my dad went to his grave unaware of the stupid thing that I had done. So, Dad, if you're watching from up there, just know that I'm sorry and I won't ever do it again. (laughs) Now, it should come as some encouragement to us that if James Dobson could do some stupid things in life as a teenager and turn out okay, then maybe our kids aren't so bad after all. And that there are some of those things that happen along the way that are just part of growing up and learning. I know as a parent, when your child does something like that, you shake your head and go, what were they thinking? (laughs) Why did they do that? But it's all the more reason why we need to pray. When I read that story in the book, Bringing Up Boys, it made me think of our son, Matt. We have three sons. And our oldest son, Matt, would have some adventures of his own, and it always seemed like we did not hear about them until about three years after the statute of limitations had run out in our house, too. They kind of waited, not wanting to tell you at the moment, and they tell them later. Usually I don't tell stories about our children, but I have his permission to tell this one. Because on one occasion, we heard the news immediately. When Matt was 14, he wanted to go hunting with a friend. And he had gone through the gun safety course... And he wanted to try duck hunting in the fall. And he knew an older teenager in our neighborhood. uh, And one morning they were going to go out together hunting. They went out early by the lake. And that particular morning they didn't uh, shoot anything early in the day. And so they came back into the house that was there. And they waited. About mid-morning they heard the sounds of some ducks out on the water. And so they thought they had an idea. They were going to load their guns in the house. And they were going to sneak out, you know, to the lake and try to get some shots off at these ducks. So there they were in the house, and they were loading their guns. And Matt was using a shotgun from his grandfather that takes a two-and-three-quarter or a three-inch shell. He had no idea that there are shotguns that take longer shells. And his friend was using three-and-a-half-inch shells. And Matt accidentally put one in the chamber, pumped the gun, and the gun went off in the house. The fortunate thing was that no one got hurt. Matt had the gun pointed up, away from anyone else. But it blew a hole. They were in the basement. It blew a hole in the ceiling and into the floor and into the master bedroom above. And there were pellets everywhere. When Matt called me at church to tell me what had happened, I realized that the accident had occurred at the very time that I was praying for Matt and his friend. I was literally, I had been on my knees in prayer in the office praying for them that day. 
Well, we got to meet our neighbors through these circumstances. <laughs> A family that we did not know, and they were very gracious and understanding. In fact, all of us as parents were just so grateful that nobody had gotten killed in this accident. Repairs were made and paid for. A friendship began. And at least three people, and I think more, came to know Christ as a result of that relationship that began that day. I wouldn't recommend it as a method for evangelism. But sometimes God works in mysterious ways. And good can come out of those situations even. I share that story as a reminder again of how important it is that we pray for our kids. Because again, we can't be with them all the time. And you can't think of every contingency. You know, I've had other parents tell me about things that, man, I just never thought to tell my kid, you know, not to climb that flagpole or not to do this or that or all those kind of things that happen along the way. You just can't anticipate everything that a kid might do, but we can pray for them. And the fact is that God loves our children even more than we do. And He has a plan for their life. And He's going to use people and places and experiences and Scripture to shape and refine them. So pray. God invites us to come to Him and to pray with confidence. Uh, he uh, invites us in 1 John 5:14 and 15 through this promise that He gives. He says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. That is an amazing promise. He is saying that if we pray anything according to His will, that's a prayer that He will hear and answer. If we ask for those things that are on the very heart of God, those things that are good for our children and those that we are working at, God will hear and respond to those prayers. So how do we do that? Well, one of the best ways to pray with confidence is to use the Scriptures in our prayer. When I look back on what Gail and I have done as parents, you know, we know we didn't do everything right and there were lessons that we learned all along the way. But one of the things that we tried to do consistently was to pray for our kids. And every year when they were younger, we would get together and we often we went on a marriage weekend away or we'd sit down in an evening together and we would think about our sons and where they were at in their life and their relationship with God and we would pick out verses that we would pray for them. We would think about what was happening in their life and we would seek from the Scriptures to get ideas of what we could pray that related to what they need in their life. Let me give you some examples. When they were young and starting school, it would be verses like these. Like we'd pray Isaiah 41.10. that says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As they were going off to school and on a school bus, we would pray and remind them of those verses that God was with them. We'd pray a verse like Psalm 56.3, When I am afraid, I will trust in you to encourage them. And we encourage them by these scriptures. Or we'd pray a verse like Luke 2.52 that said that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And we would pray that our sons would grow in wisdom 
and physically in stature and also in their relationships with people, friends at school, that God would give them good friends who would encourage them in their relationship with Him and that they would grow deep in their relationship with God. In middle school and high school, we began to pray the Scriptures that Paul prayed for those in the church. For example, Paul's prayer for the church in Colossians. He said this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We would pray that they would know God's will, that they'd be filled with God's will, that they would make wise choices in their life, that they would understand how much He loves them, and that they would be the kind of individual who would be growing in Christ-likeness and bearing fruit in every good work. I love Paul's prayer also in Philippians 1, 9-11, where he says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory in praise of God. We would pray that they would grow in their love and knowledge of God so that they might choose the things that are excellent and that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Christ. You know, those are the kinds of prayers that God delights to answer. They are great prayers to pray for our children, our grandchildren, our friends, and for one another. In college and later years, we've prayed for guidance and direction. I don't have these verses listed there, but there are verses like Psalm 32.8 that say, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That's Psalm 32.8. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you all know, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. Or Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. These are just examples, but when we pray the Scripture, and we pray that for those that we love, God uses that in a very powerful way in their life. And there are many verses in Scripture that we can use to pray for our children, our grandchildren, our students, our disciples, even our spouse. And Gail and I have done the same thing for one another as we have prayed for each other using the Scripture. I believe that we can pray with confidence because these are the kinds of prayers that God wants us to answer. If you want encouragement or help in this, there is a book on the book table out there called Praying the Scriptures for Your Children. And it can give you a lot of ideas on how you can do that. So here's my assignment that I would like to give you today. I want you to start by asking, where are your children or grandchildren? Again, make that appropriate application. Where are they at spiritually? And what would you like to pray for them? You may even want to involve them in this discussion. 
What is it that they are wrestling with right now? Or what is it that they would like prayer for? And maybe there's a specific area they they would ask you to pray for them. And then secondly, search the Scriptures and ask God to guide you. And pick a verse or verses that you will pray for them. And then thirdly, pray for your kids together as a couple and in your individual prayer times too. It's appropriate to do both. There are times when you can come together as a couple to pray and times when you can pray individually and remember them before the Lord. And then fourth, share victories and share answers to prayer. We all need encouragement along the way to see how God is working. I remember doing this in terms of a discipleship relationship in college. I mean, this is something I learned to do real early on in my Christian life. And I was doing it with someone that I was uh, uh, working with in college. And I was praying for them, Philippians 2, 12, and 13, that God would be at work in them, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And it was really interesting where they almost literally used those words when they came to me one day and they said, you know, I just want you to know God's been at work in my heart and I just feel Him changing my heart and my desire to want to please Him. And I just took it as an answer to prayer in terms of what God was doing in their life, that He was at work in their heart. And then, fifth, have fun with your kids. Prayer isn't the only thing that we should do, but it is the first thing. And I believe that it is indeed our best tool as a parent to pray for our children because God can do so much more than we can do. It's been said that you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can't do more than pray until you have prayed. So pray and have some fun with your kids. And look for those opportunities when you can love them and laugh with them and play games with them and teach them. And they will love you in return. And they will see the love of Christ in you as you connect with them. We're going to close this morning and I want to encourage you to take those things to heart. To look at that list of suggestions on what to do and to make this series a very practical thing that you will do in the lives of your children or those that you are working with. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the encouragement that comes from Scripture. And when I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, he was always praying for those that he was working with in the churches, lifting them up before you, before your throne of grace by name, and also as a church. And Father, we need to do the same. And I know many here already have begun this practice. But Lord, would you encourage all of us to be faithful in praying for our children, our grandchildren, those that we love. And guide us as we seek to pray according to your will and according to your word. We want to do this for your honor and glory and for the growth of the church and the growth of our kids as they come to know you too. And Lord, would you use it in our life to help us to grow as well. We ask it in Jesus' name.